Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I'm the host of the Sendcast. We created this podcast a few years ago to help improve knowledge around SEND. There's lots of stuff you can go and read, but we're all really busy. The phrase, every teacher is a teacher of SND, is sadly currently just an ideal, not a reality. We created the Sendcast to help try and solve that problem, to help make schools more inclusive and to help teachers be teachers of SEND. The Sendcast is also a really, really good way to get the same information to schools and parents so they can work together. Every week on the Sendcast, we have a different guest that I have invited to talk about a topic they specialise in. This week, we're discussing some helpful tips to help teachers use music and songs in the classroom. My guest this week is Al Start. Al has worked with children for over 20 years in a variety of ways, and over the last 15 years, she has been creating, teaching, and performing songs for children. Before we start the podcast, I'd like to remind you about us here at B Squared. Over the last 25 years, we've supported schools and students with SEND. Our assessment products are used in over 10,000 schools around the world to help show the small steps of progress and pupils with SEND make, and around 1,500 of these schools are using Connecting Steps, our assessment software. Our evidence system, Eversense, helps schools capture and share the achievements their pupils are making. And our online CPD platform, Training for Education, started two years ago with a virtual SEND conference, but now includes a range of training courses as well as our conferences. If you want to find out more about B-Squared and how we can help your school, go to our website, www.bsquared.co.uk. There is lots of information available and you can book an online meeting to find out how we can support you. Or you can drop me an email. My email address is simply dale at bsquared.co.uk. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing some tips to help teachers use music and songs more widely. Joining me today is Al Start with some instruments, possibly. Don't worry, I'm not going to be singing. If there was, I would have had to put some warnings at the beginning just to give you a warning. Al is a singer-songwriter who specialises in music with children and schools through her company, Go Kid Music. Welcome to the show, Al. Thank you very much. Exciting to be here. Excellent. So I grew up in a time where people thought classrooms should be silent and we didn't do much music in primary at all. Mm. Lots of change and schools have embraced music a lot more with children learning a variety of instruments in primary schools. There are lots of benefits to using music, but some teachers might not have the confidence to try. Yes, you got it in a nutshell there. I think everybody thinks back to school days and, you know, I can see people, literally their eyes glaze over when they say, oh, what do you do? What's your business? And I say, oh, I'm a children's songwriter. In their minds, they're going, okay, she writes Bar Bar Black Sheep, Kumbaya. They think back to their school days of singing at school and it being either babyish and nursery rhymey or kind of religious and churchy or something, you know. Yep. And yep. That's kind of how the reputation of children's music has stayed. It's really stuck in the UK. Yeah, I literally, yeah, churchy yeah. or boring mm. is my primary. And you always ended up getting those, I say glockenspiel was the wooden, is the, what's the one with the, met, the I don't know if it remembers it. The school. xylophone, was it? It was their individual one. So it was a blue oh, bit. chime bar. Um, with the metal things. You could get like different notes and line <laughs> them all up. And it just that. And then there was the recorder. Yeah, the, the hated recorder. And my yeah. daughter, who during her primary school career, we had a ukulele 
and a recorder. And I remember just the parents' Facebook group lit up in horror as all the children came home with recorders. And you're like, <laughs> oh, how evil. That, that shriek when they blow too hard. Yeah, yeah. And then they did the recorder assembly, which we were all invited to. And I was obviously too busy that day. But my wife went in <laughs> and it was actually really good. It wasn't any of that shrieking. Uh, okay. It was really good. But I think the fear is there from what we were like at school, what we went through. And we all yeah. sat there with a recorder. All I ever did with a recorder. And London's take, burning. Take the end off. And <laughs> yes, just did that. And London's burning. That's the tip of my, that's yeah. the end of my recorder career. Well, I'm here to tell you there is an alternative. <laughs> that's basically why I started doing what I do, because I became so aware through mainly play work, actually. You know, my, my background apart from being a musician, which was very, very separate from children for many years, is in play work. So I would work after school clubs, um, holiday play schemes. I would do arts projects and things in schools, that sort of thing. And I just became aware that children's music was pants. I was reading your bio about you doing this. I'm literally <laughs> going, was she a red coat? Was she a red coat? Do you know, I wanted to be. <laughs> if I could have, I would have. <laughs> I did grow up going to Pontins. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, so I just became aware of how the, you know, the school music was rubbish. For about 20 years, people would say to me, you know, why don't you sing with the children? You're a singer. And I was like, no way. No way am I, me, an amazing singer-songwriter, going to sing with children. Thank you very much. Because I had that same idea in my head. It's all kumbaya and whatever. So when I was finally really persuaded, I don't know, this, this might be a common scenario actually, because the head teacher of the primary school that I was doing the after school club at came to me and said, please, please, we need help. She said, nobody in our current cohort of teachers is particularly musical. And she said, I walked past a classroom of poor year twos the other day and they were singing a nursery rhyme completely out of tune because the teacher who had taught it them wasn't a very accomplished singer and had sung it flat so the children copied it and sang it flat back and that was how they sang so I was kind of like on the one hand yes I'm a, I'm a songwriter and that's what I do and my passion is music and when I was at school you know maybe I could have got even further with music had it been really exciting to me so I really felt like on the one hand I want to help and on the other hand this sounds hideous. So I kind of haughtily said, well, I will have to write my own song then. You know, I'm not teaching. You didn't want a career of teaching nursery rhymes. That wasn't exactly. going to be your highlight. Absolutely not. Your greatest hits. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll write a song. And she was like, please, please teach it to them in singing assembly. We need, we need some help. So I wrote a song just knowing that kids love spooky things. Um, so I thought, okay, all right, I'll write it about a creepy castle. Let's imagine we're creeping through a castle at night. And because I, at that time, I used Makaton and signing anyway, I thought, well, half of them can't read. So there's no point putting the words on a screen. So I'll just teach it to them using sign language. Yeah. So I was absolutely terrified standing up in front of them, even though I did gigs all the time, you know. But I taught it to them in assembly kind of call and response you know I sang them the song first and they got very excited and then I taught them a line at a time and I used the signing and they absolutely loved it and I do you know I haven't looked back since that was it I was blown away by how you know the response was so brilliant so at the beginning I said we didn't do much music in primary but there was uh, one teacher in my primary school 
who he loved music. Mm. And this was the 80s, and he loved um, it was Manfred Mann, 60s band. <laughs> nice. But he taught us music, and it, it's, it is always your inspiration is what gives someone else that inspiration. So if you're doing music because you have to, you're not going to be very inspiring, so you're not going to get it. But if you are that inspiring person, if you're giving them you're inspired and they're seeing mm. the joy in your face doing it, yeah. they're going to enjoy it and they're going to love it. That's true, but at the same time, I'm here to say that it's actually easier and less scary than you think. Yep. So I can give you some you tips. So. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, yes, I, I do singing and, and I'm sort of musical. I'm not particularly brilliantly musical trained, I must say. I've sort of learnt, picked things up as I've gone along and I've learnt by ear and I don't re- really read music. And at school, I, I sort of thought, oh, I'll never be able to be a professional musician because I can't read sheet music and I've tried and tried and I even went back to college you know in 2003 and I managed to somehow pass my um, music theory but I can't apply it to playing so I can work it out on paper but I can't really it's another language to speak I suppose every but, green bus drives fast and I have to think of that and then I look at the score and I can go gee oh it's taken me that yeah, long yeah and face I can yes. I know I know the rules I know I can do <laughs> You're the same as I me. I cannot. <laughs> I did piano lessons and yeah. my piano teacher had a thing where my fingers were numbered one to five. Mm-hmm. And you one meant jump, not to the next one, or you two meant jump up. Mm-hmm. So he gave me something, I could play music and he could write it down in this way. And I learned like Bohemian Rhapsody. I learned wow. some really interesting wow. songs. Amazing. And it got to sheet music and I was just like, no, mm. it makes no sense. And I did music at GCSEs and the time, it would like take me an hour to write my composition out in this. Sh- right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hated it. I think that is what teachers face. You know, they've got a busy day. They've got to cram in all of their sort of key teaching and topics and all of that stuff. And the last thing they need is something that's going to take them half an hour to try and work out, you know, can they read this piece of music? I'm not musically trained. I'm probably not the most confident singer. Do you know what? I'll leave that to someone else, you know. I don't know. I've sort of made it a bit of a mission really, to kind of share with people that actually it's a lot easier than you think and the results are amazing. So it really is worth putting music, especially if you're working with children in a mixed ability class and who isn't, yep. who isn't, you know, and it absolutely levels the playing field so much more, I think, than anything else I've come across. And I think if you can apply um, some really simple sort of music just throughout your day, Whatever subject you're doing, you can re-engage children if they're sort of floating off and staring out of the window. You can snap them back into focus. Or if your class is a little bit sluggish, you can kind of wake them up a bit. If they're bouncing off the walls, you can use it to calm them down. And really easily, you can actually even make up your own songs to get them to do things. Yeah. And I imagine half of the people listening today will probably think, we already do that. But I've got some really handy tips if you haven't tried that yet. So for those who may be going, singing is not that important. Mm. Um, On a previous podcast, I think it might have been with Wendy Lee or it was Ang Harrod Welsh, cannot quite remember which one. We were talking about, so you've got phonic reading and you're learning things. What learning those nursery rhymes didn't realise, it gives you a rhythm of how you say the words. Yeah, yeah. 
So twinkle, twinkle, little star, little, mm-hmm. little you're learning how those phonic, phonetic sounds, the rhythm of that. So you're mm. really reading words. And I didn't realise how important these nursery rhymes and singing can be. Yeah. Because you have a rhythm in the song and you've got to make the word fit that rhythm. Yes. So you learn how to say it that bit faster and that bit slower. And that helps the language development. Exactly, exactly. Which is why, you know, when children are young and before they start school, I think as parents, we're great at singing to our babies and our little toddlers. And there's lots of music in very young children's lives. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. And these days, there's so many great classes that you can take your children to. There's sing and sign classes and music and movement and all kinds of things. In the UK, we're really good at that. We've got great at filling our young children's lives with music. And then sometimes, not always, not in all schools, but sometimes they get to school and they've grown out of nursery rhymes and it kind of stops. Yeah. Why does it stop? Don't know. <laughs> I haven't got time for that. We haven't got time to do this singing stuff. But um, again, previous podcast, we had Dr. Susie Nyman, mm. who does multi-sensory teaching. And if you're reading stuff in a book, it's quite boring. And she does this thing where she had, I think, on a shower curtain, she drew out a heart. And she got her 16, 17-year-old students to walk through the heart and tell them about the different things. So as they walk through it, it helped them learn. Yeah. And they, she does songs and things like that because it is it helps you using more part of it, more of your senses, and it does help. So it's help, helping the language. It's helping people retain information as well. And it helps yeah. them, their imagination as well. Yeah. So yeah. There are lots of benefits. Don't just dismiss it as it's just singing. Absolutely. Which I also partly didn't over the last few years. I've reflected more about my children's experiences as um, it's confidence boosting, mm. it's a social thing. There's lots of benefits to it. Yeah, it really is. It really is. When I talk to people about what I do, and I did a business course a little while ago, it's like an entrepreneur accelerator. And yep. um, I looked at those. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing. I mean, it really, it's opened my eyes to, you know, being how to be creative and make what you love as a passion into, you know, business more. Of course, when I spoke to all these grown-ups about children's music, again, you know, the eyes glazed over. But I said to them, probably, you know, if we were in a room of 50 people, probably maybe 10 people were, could speak French very well. Well, I bet you all of us could sing Frere Jacques from beginning to end. I can't. No? No. Dale, you're blowing, you're blowing my theory here. I literally I know that phrase, Frere Jacques. Frere Jacques. Is it just that word? Dans mes Most people can sing that. They remember it from their childhood. Okay, Dale is the exception. Okay. Instead, I learned uh, Elvis's wooden heart in German. Okay. And I still, it's in my head. But can you speak German? Slightly. Slightly. Glenny but you can Koch, sing the Glenny song, Koch, right? Glenny Koch, Glenny, Bide, Bide, Koch, Bide, Bide, Koch, Glenny, Ein, Mein, Spass, Bein, Dier. I said, I was going to sing. Go. Sorry, everybody. I sang. Uh-huh. Sorry. And I said, you will, oh, Dale, you God. will. Sorry, Sorry everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is in my head. Yeah. And that was my, that teacher who showed me, I have no idea why we did that mm-hmm. song. But 30 odd years later, it's still in there. Exactly. That is the power of singing. And that was songs. a useless thing to learn because it's, an Elvis song, which I'm not a fan of, and it's in German, which I don't go to Germany that often or speak <laughs> to German people. So generally, I'm never going to romance someone in German. Um, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. I'm sorry if I've offended you there. Um, but if that was something useful or interesting, yes, 
then I've retained that information. Yeah, what a learning tool you've got, right? Random segue, linked, but have you, I don't know if you see on the internet, the alphabet is only in an order so we can learn it. Oh, really? Okay. doesn't need to be in any order, does it? I guess not. only reason it's in any order is so we can learn it. And we know the song. A, B, C, D, E. That's the only reason yeah. you write it in that order is to learn it. Once you've learned it, it could be in any order you want, but we've <laughs> learned it in that way. And when you go, oh, what's uh, you go back to it. Mm. But there doesn't, the alphabet doesn't need to be in an order for any reason. Good point. Good point. But we've all learned it. Yep. With a Twinkle Twinkle Little Star song, which yep. you often realise later on, it's the same song. I, know, I only realised that lazy. recently. <laughs> I only realised. <laughs> How lazy. <laughs> um, but you, we all learn it. You go, what letter is it? And you go, you sing the song in your head. Yeah. It's been in your head for however many years. It can be in your but it's there. And again, that song helped you learn it. Yeah. So Absolutely. The song's... As much as a non-singer, non-musicy person, I love music. Don't create it, um, but it is. It is there, and it helps. It helps children learn. It really does. It really does, and not only helps them learn, it helps them emotionally. It helps their well-being. It creates um, like a sensory break. Yeah. You know, um, if things are getting a little bit too focused, and some of your students, you know, are kind of starting to feel a bit stressed, it gives everybody. A bit of a breathing space, a bit of a break. So, we've talked about lots of benefits. We have. Now, some people will only sing in front of others mm. if alcohol is involved. Okay. Not great for the school day. That's not ideal, is it? <laughs> so, what are some tips? Everyone's in a different place. There are those yeah. who, like me, will sing in karaoke. That's as far as it goes. Sure. Or sing alone in the car. Yeah. Sing in front of other people. Yeah. Quite scary. Yeah. Part of me, there is... Well, it's two things, and I'll come to one of them in another podcast we're going to do with you later on. Okay. Do we have to create our own songs? Let's start with that one. You don't have to create your own songs. There are a million gazillion songs out there. It's sometimes hard to find them. So looking for songs, I think, was something that teachers said to me. You know, like I was saying, when I was, after I'd written the song and I, and I taught it to the children, they wanted another song. I started writing more. I started building up this kind of collection of children's songs just kind of organically. And the teacher would say, oh, you know, I can't bear singing London's Burning for a moment longer. Could you write us a song for September, you know, for um, the Great Fire of London? And so I wrote, <laughs> Dale's rocking, by the way. <laughs> you can be For the tape. <laughs> For the benefit of the tape, Dale is rocking in his chair. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote a song, September 1666. So, you know, it wasn't a subject that I knew, but I researched it. I worked out what were the key points that a teacher would want the children to learn by the end of it and built that into a song. And it's one of my most popular songs, actually. I'm not surprised because London's Burning is atrocious. Mm, there you go. I do like it, I'm sorry. London's Burning's fine, but you need some, you know, let's have some more. Let's have some choice. I was on a coach trip with some year two children. Spent three hours on a coach. And a child only knew the first line, but she loved it. London's Burning? Yeah. So she sang it for three hours, just oh. the first line. Oh. <laughs> London's Burning, London's Burning. London's Burning. For three hours. It was a joyous coach trip. <laughs> Burned into your memory. Yes. So, uh, yeah, any song other than that about London's burning, it probably, mm. we people, I can imagine people going for any other song. Yeah, exactly. Back to your original question, Dale, about 
do you need to make up your own songs? You don't need to make up your own songs. There are lots out there. And also, which I would love to talk to you about in another podcast, is you can make up your own songs and I can show you how. You can do exactly what I do. So I will talk to you about that another day. For example, let's say your topic is The Great Fire of London. Yeah. For example. And um, someone lovely has written a song for that. That's me. I've written it. (laughs) So, for example, you can find resources online. I've got a, a signing video, which will go on your whiteboard, and the audio will play and I will show the signs and sing the song and it's got the subtitles underneath it. So the first thing is the teacher doesn't have to be the solo singer. Yeah. Which is great because I, w- I wanted to sort of put things together that would help teachers feel more confident. And obviously if you've got a piece of music that's your backing track or something, but you have to sing the song, that is nerve wracking. It was yeah. nerve wracking for me and I was even a you know, a seat, quite a seasoned performer at that point. And children are the harshest of audiences, I can tell you. There's they no will tell <laughs> They will look so bored if they're bored and they will really tell you if it's no good. Yeah, so you could use something like that. So there are lots of resources out there. You know, if you're looking for a, a topic song, you can even look on YouTube, find yourself a song that you like, and then you can play that and sing along with that. But the main thing is to think, right, The reason for singing this song is not for me to look like I'm a great singer. It's to get the children to sing. So in your head, you've got to switch the focus from yourself, even if you're feeling nervous and think, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm not a great singer. And I think we know as as teachers, we know that children love nothing more than being better at something than you. And as parents as well, we know that, don't they? They love to get one up and they love to, you know, tell you that's a little bit rubbish. So you can kind of, you know, have a little humility in it and just say to the children, you know, let's learn this song together. Also, there is is someone who's good who maybe could pick that song really well. They Mm. can then stand up front and show off. Absolutely. Which then gets you out the limelight. Yeah. And then and then get rid of the video and use the backing track. (laughs) Yes. Or learn the chords, you know. So the first thing is that adults... Just take the pressure off yourself and think, right, this is just something I'm teaching. You know, the same as I do every day. I'm just going to teach this song. And for the children, the main thing is that they are enjoying it and having fun. So don't suddenly feel like you've got to, you know, make sure that they're sitting in a, yes, sitting up straight is good. But you're not having to teach singing technique at this point. It's just about fun and joining in yeah. and trying it. I do have some ideas for kind of warm-ups. You know, I've been along to training, like music kind of teacher training sessions, and they've done sort of ha 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 and lots of breathing and that sort of thing. And for children, I think they need something fun. They need to be tricked into doing yeah, a little warm up. I can warm-up. imagine a, a class of children trying to do that warming. Everyone just shriek at some point it's or gonna be put, louder. Exactly. Or. It's going to put everyone off. Sometimes you don't really have time for a warm up and it doesn't matter. But if you're going to be doing some singing, you know, if you're going to be asking the children to focus on learning this song for your topic for an hour or whatever, then it's a really good idea to do a little warm up, uh, maybe a listening activity, something like um, uh, probably our listener knows don't clap this one back. Yep. So you can do a bit of clapping clap some rhythms, get them to clap back. So you're trying to um, get the children first in the zone of listening first and then copying. So it's that call and response training, which yep. children are pretty much programmed sort of into that anyway, but get them to lock into that. So get them some rhythms, get the points out. You know, if you don't clap, if you're listening and you don't 
clap this one back and you don't clap it back, then um, you get 100 points. So I always give out loads of points. Points mean nothing, but they love them. Yes. So it gets them right in there. <laughs> so some listening games. Warm-ups, I would say, imaginary games where, for example, you've got a little person on your hand and you make the person jump. And as they jump, whoop, whoop. And you make your voice go up and down, and the, and they can do somersaults, and down. So you are encouraging them just to be noisy. Make noises, be, noisy. be sound effect. Go up and down in a lift. You know, they're going up in a rocket, get them doing the rocket, do some aeroplanes, that sort of thing. Can they do the sound effects? Just stretching their, their voices a little bit is fine for a little warm-up. Yeah, completely you know, unstructured, yeah. go as loud as you want, yeah. stay in your own areas, don't annoy the person next to you. <laughs> but, yeah. And I've got, a little, um, I've got a little handout that I can share if anyone's interested in the warm-up, so I've kind of written them out in a little PDF. So rather than me trying to explain them now... I was, I was sitting there going, please don't ask me to do the clapping. Yeah. I can do rhythm, but... We won't no, do that no, now. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so a little bit of a warm-up. Keep the focus on the children and just learn bit at a time. So I would say if you're learn- trying to get them to learn a, u- a new song, play the whole song first. So let them watch, you know, if you have a teaching video or you're playing a piece of music, let them listen. Just sit and listen to the whole entire song first because that really goes in. And generally songs will have repeating parts like a chorus. Yeah. And by the end of the song... Even with just one play, you'll probably see some children in your class already starting to pick up and sing along to the chorus anyway, any repeated parts. So that's really good. So then they know what the structure of the song is, where it's going, what it's about. They've kind of got that in their mind as their finished kind of goal. Yeah. I do like that idea of using the video because I think, yeah, I think for teachers and for me, standing up and trying to teach something for children, if you're Mm. a little bit unsure. Yeah. That is probably going to be written on your face. So you won't be singing and smiling and having fun because yeah. you're a bit unsure. Yeah. If you've got someone who they're really paying attention, is you can sing along as well because mm. they're not really focusing on me, they're watching them, which for me personally would make me a lot happier and I'd happily sing along because I can be slightly quiet in the video. Yeah. But it looks like I'm singing. So, yeah, so I think having that video, I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. And as the teacher, you're the one in control. You're pressing play and pause and stop. And did you see that? Let's rewind this little bit. I'd also suggest teaching the song line at a time. So once you've once you've played the whole song, talk to the children. Is there any bits you didn't understand? Do you know what it's about? You know, have a little chat about it. Let's Shall we learn the first bit? I would say start with the chorus. So start with the bit that's repeated because they've probably already half got that. Get your, um, you know, whether you're listening to audio or you've got it on your whiteboard, get to that place where it's the chorus and play through the chorus and then go back and teach them it line at a time. So play a line, pause it, and they sing it back. And then play the next line, they sing it back. And if they're learning with signs as well, get them to try the signs at the same time. And there's something amazing that happens when children sign and sing. And it's that thing that you're talking about with, you know, us just remembering, like all those nursery rhymes yeah. and, and the pace. And it, it's that kinesthetic learning where a movement and a word, like using Makaton, it just goes in. It's yes. just like programs into our brain. I try not to do wind the bobbin up. Yeah, there you go. You're you... literally sitting on your hands, Dale. He's yes. sitting on his hands, trying not to do it. He's rocking again, he's rocking <laughs> for the benefit of the tape. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is that, it's that kinesthetic, it's that doing more. And I think singing is 
apart from Kumbaya, is generally, and all things bright and beautiful, um, is a really joyful experience. <laughs> um, when you're having fun, you remember those good times. Yeah. So if you're having fun, that's going to be so much more so much more is going to be going in. Your engagement level is mm. generally high. Yep. There's a whole engagement model thing going on about we're looking at engagement and, and singing and yep. the music and everything really helps the engagement and they're learning songs and that information will go in. So I can imagine if you literally, as with the Fire of London, you got all that key information into a song, mm-hmm. comes to test time, they're just going to be singing the yeah. song in their head, pulling exactly. the information out and it's going down on the paper. That's what they do. And that is what they do, and it's tried and tested, and it and it really works. And the teachers are loving that song, loving it. I bet. <laughs> and it's free, and it's on YouTube. You can look it up right now. If the children learn using the signing, not only are they immersed in the song, you know, singing with their vocals, but they're physically immersed in it as well. And having that kind of physical, you know, you're almost like acting out parts of the song so if the song was about a car and you're on you know you've got your steering wheel and you're zooming around you know you for children they're using their imagination and their yeah. body and they're in that car and they're really doing it and it's even more fun and immersive and it's really hard to resist and i also another top tip is you know starting maybe simple with songs that have got sound effects in so like with driving, you know, making the noises, beep, beep, on the horn, things like that. You know, even songs about animals. I mean, good old old MacDonald's farm. Doing the sign of the animal, maybe, as well as the noise, yep. is another way. To, you know, it's kind of a little bit irresistible to join in. Sometimes people say, you know, we've got some reluctant singers. Historically, teachers have said that boys are less likely to sing than girls. Yeah. And I think that's all about the material. Yeah. which is why I really wanted to write songs that were great for girls and boys. Because at school, it's hard to find a song that's got appropriate lyrics anyway. Yeah. And often, I think teachers sort of lean towards something that's a bit peace and love and light and harmony and kindness, and that's all great. But sometimes it's a bit girly. Yeah. It's just a bit sort of fairies and and hearts and boys sometimes don't want to sing about that and sometimes girls don't want to sing about that too let's face it so I think you know picking your material carefully and picking a song that the girls are going to like it the boys are going to like it you're not asking them to sing words that don't connect with them you know it's not like oh I I love this and I love you and and, you know yeah they don't they're going oh I don't want to sing that you know I can imagine yeah a lot of things and also I think a lot of the schools, you often go to those, the hymns or mm, things like that. Sure. Which, again, there's no energy in them, a lot of them. Yeah. They're a bit flat. Yeah. A bit just... They're, because they're written by adults for adults. Yeah. You know? You know, it's important to find songs that are targeted to children about things that children love, about what you're teaching them, and, you know. And there's songs, so... Before we started recording, there's a song that my children sang at primary school called Conkers, mm. Collecting Conkers. And if you listen to it, it's just such a lovely rhythm, and we loved it. And I've never sung it, but I know the chorus just from listening to my children sing it, and we practice it, and we sing it at home because it's such a really good song, and my children love it. And the whole school loved it. You could see them singing it. Mm. The children absolutely shined. It filled up yeah. the church. They were singing it. It was great. 
And for some reason, they kind of stopped using it and went back to the more. It was a, it was a teacher who was loved music. Mm-hmm. So she inspired the school. And then when they left, we kind of went back to the safe, boring stuff. Yeah. And you just saw the children. Yeah. The shining. Had it's gone. a shame, isn't it? Do you know? I was in a school very recently doing songwriting with the children, and we had two days to write a song, and then we made a. The second day, we made a, a like a pop video for it. Excellent. And it's so brilliant, but they don't do music at that school. And I just discovered it at the end of the first day. I said, what do you usually do in music? And who, who plays an instrument here? And about one boy put the hand up. And when I used to learn guitar, out of like 60 children, I was like, hang on a minute. What do you do in music? We don't have music. I was like, what? Can this be real? When we sang the song at the end of the day that we'd written, the head teacher came in and listened. I mean, tears welling up in their eyes because they felt that emotion and the children writing words and singing them with with fun and animated and, you know, loving it. It was a song for their school, you know, and it was all about their aspirations and what they believe in. And, I mean, it's just lit up the place. And I think she's looking into getting music back in. It is important. I think back to, so I was a governor at my daughter's school, so I was really fortunate. I have to go into the primary school lots and lots Whenever there was a performance I was in, I was off doing photography and stuff, so I absolutely loved it. And the times where I could see not only the children bursting with joy, yeah. but the parents, which generally was when music was involved. And I'm not talking, we did the Easter service, which is what I saw, solemn and boring, and we did the carols, mm. and it's nice, but mm-hmm. it's a bit solemn, it's a mm-hmm. bit this... But then there was a couple of things where, again, this music teacher did a whole school thing. And I've got I saw a photo of uh, the school hall with every child, so 200 children, plus all the parents and all the teachers, all singing the same song. It was a great song. I bought it. I can't remember what it's called. Switch the Light or something. I might even put it in my show notes because it's a great song for great. the school. It was a safe song. Yeah. It was a great song. It was a repetitive. You could yep. get into it. So yep. the parents Hooky. were able to learn it. It was a great hook. And I right. just sat there looking at a really big hall. Buzzing. Jam-packed full <laughs> of people. And everyone was singing. Yeah. Some people who didn't enjoy singing were singing. Mm. Kind of going, why am I doing this look on their face? <laughs> but their kid was then looking at them singing and joining it. And it was just a whole room buzzed yeah. it was amazing i mean that is the power of music it's such an amazing powerful thing i think i think sometimes you know if you if you do teach in a school where there isn't very much music and singing you can kind of forget it has that power and it can have that effect and you can change you know the whole culture of your school can almost change overnight you know people walking past your classroom We'll hear the children singing and having fun and hear that music. And then that sparks an idea for someone else to try it. And then you've got a fantastic assembly piece to share, you know. And there are lots of resources available. It is about trying. But also one of the things that um, I love doing in the car is taking a song on the radio and just making up your own words to it. Yeah. Because that's yes. really good. I'm going to really talk about that in one of our, that one of great, our another sessions. Um, there's one of the ABBA songs. It's a parody of it. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the parody is Chicken Tikka. Yeah. Chicken Tikka. Yeah. But yeah, so there's a whole thing. There's a whole song about curries. So it's often there'll be music your kids may know. Yes. And love. Yes. They might not be able to sing. Don't choose a song where they can't sing the words because they might sing the wrong words. But there's often songs. ABBA's a great one. Yeah. But you can change the words and yeah. sing your own song. And there's yeah. things like that. Is a, again, if, if you're 
thinking, I can't write music or mm. I can't do this. Yeah. If you can take a song, you go, actually, can I change the words into something? Yeah. Because they'll know the words. Not to kids, when you change the words, it's a bit more fun because I know this song, but it's going to be our song just for us. Mm. I've seen that work really well as well. It works brilliantly. Brilliantly. I'm not going to talk any more about no, that because I can <laughs> tell you all about that another time. So, yeah, so we've talked about the learning of songs. I also think if you can share that with the parents as well, it's a good thing. Absolutely. The effects on that head teacher. Really, yeah, yeah. It reflects so brilliantly on your school. <laughs> it really does. Because it's that sense of belonging and community. You know, when your class sings together or your year group sings together or, you know, your whole key stage gets together for an assembly and sings together nothing else really brings that feeling of belonging and togetherness and that really communicates to your parents really clearly without you having to kind of do any PR for your school it's just it is it's just part of your school my daughters they had a they after that music person someone else who was musically uh, who's a parent joined and took the choir on and they do the summer fair, they do the Christmas fair. They also go into old people's homes. Mm. Um, but they sing much more fun songs. They sing Katy Perry songs yep. and George Ezra songs. Yep. So the kids listen to them on the radio. They yeah. join in. They, they're happy to learn the words. So generally, the teacher gives them that, the music and the words. Yep. They come back the next time. They've already learned them. Yeah. Because it's a nice song. They yeah. know it. They can watch the video yeah. on YouTube and sing along to it as well. Yeah. So... That- that's and all the kids love it. Oh, no, this mm. one. Yeah. So much more. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you've got to check the lyrics yes. of some of those songs. There's lots of websites out there. You know, you can even Google, you know, songs that are appropriate for children. Yes. And they've got, these are the top 40 songs, you know, and you can quickly go through. And a lot of them will be songs that you're, that the children recognise. And maybe yeah. sometimes check the meaning of a song. Yeah, Yes. Um, so some of the um, good old Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Right. Is there yeah. a, or um, the Magic Mushroom. Yeah. Um, Path the Magic Dragon. Yeah. There's a whole, is it really bad? Is, so yeah, <laughs> check some of the meanings because some of it you might be going, hang on, you might miss it. So check some of the meanings of the songs as well as the yeah. words. Yeah, and do you know what? There's, uh, I think as a parent, there's nothing worse than like driving along in the car and you put your favourite CD in. <laughs> Thinking this is fine, this is great. It's only Adele. Oh yeah, Adele's down with the kids, and then suddenly, you know, your your angelic child in the back starts singing words, you know, that are really. Oh, yes. I didn't know there was that in the verse. I knew the chorus, but actually, when you listen to the words of the, mm, actually, which is another reason that I wanted to get into writing songs for children, is because. There's so many amazing songs out there. We've got, we're so lucky as adults, particularly in the UK, we've got an amazing music industry here. Yeah. I don't know how because there's not very good music at school, but somehow along the way, you know, our young people form bands and against the odds make amazing, amazing music and have done for years and years. So we've got this kind of culture as adults, but it's all about adult concepts. And even if the songs you know, don't have any inappropriate actual words, you know, or they're not blatantly sexist or something. They are about concepts, you know, about love and relationships and just adult stuff. And I really wanted to write for children about things that they can really relate to. Primary school age children, not babies. Sorry, babies, don't do any songs (laughs) for you guys. You are well catered for, you know, with your nursery rhymes and your singing sign classes. 
you know, I think people forget that children are children and, you know, and it's not until they're perhaps 10, 11, maybe even later that they start getting into their own, discovering their own taste in music. And I wanted to write songs that bridge the gap between nursery rhymes and like rap or nursery rhymes and rock. Okay, so that's quite interesting. So what sort of themes do you use at that for those primary age children? Mm. Well, I started with things, you know, as a play worker, I knew that children really loved. So like creepy things and, um, you know, kind of like slimy, slightly silly things, lots of animal stuff, that sort of thing. You know, I kind of started on that. And then as the... Um, as I started learning more about school topics, you know, I would pick topics like geography or the world, you know, like, so by the end of this song, you'll know all the seven continents, but it's a song that sounds like Fleetwood Mac, you know, and it's cool. a great sort of like, yeah. you know, it's a great folk rock kind of song. You know, things like the idea of growing, stuff growing, those sorts of topics. I mean, history topics are brilliant. You know, write a song about like Henry VIII, but in a really kind of tongue-in-cheek way. Yeah. I mean, like horrible oh, histories. Horrible histories. I do was it just really well, don't they? Yes. I mean, I actually discovered horrible histories after I'd already been writing children's songs for a while because my child got to the age of finding that on TV, and they're just brilliant. You know, and everyone loves horrible history songs because they're yucky, they're horrible. They don't kind of mince their words, do they? No. Some of them are quite grim. They are, <laughs> they're but horrible. the children remember it. They love them. They love them. Yeah. And they're learning something as well, you know, and it's factual, but it's finding that angle. And as a songwriter, that's so brilliant, you know, to have this kind of endless opportunity of, of subjects to write for, but put an angle on it, make it a little bit different or a bit more exciting. I mean, my latest album, for example, is called Robot, and it's got much more of a um, thinking about the planet. Children are much more aware of the whole kind of climate thing. You know, there's quite a lot of worry, I think, amongst children now because so much of what's on the news and, you know, the images are all like, oh, my God, we've, we've wrecked it. We've wrecked our planet. What, you know, and it's hopeless. And we really don't want our kids growing up with this fear over them that we're doomed you know, yeah. so I want to write songs that have got a positive spin. It's like, well, OK, there's this issue. What are you going to do about it? What can we do about it? Because if we don't do anything about it, it's not going to be good. No. I try and kind of look at things, but I don't want to scare children. But let's be real. And they're the ones who are going to really, you know, feel passion about all these different, you know, subjects and things that they're going to discover as they grow up and want to do something about it. And it's like encouraging that. And so the reason I'm asking, so I was thinking about my children. We, we had the whole nursery rhymed and mm. my first album mm. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then I think the primary years, we were basically, we just spent five, six, seven, eight years on uh, Disney albums. Yeah. Because you know they're safe. They're yeah. the films they've watched. So yes. generally we spent eight years because the radio, some of the various, mm. they, might, they might not say the, words yeah but it's really obvious when they cut they go Psst. and then you're literally going i know exactly which word you haven't said the word yeah but that's and that, yeah you know what word was said so the kids and, will pick and, it up yeah and it's all about relationships and it's sexual relationships and it's basically so people need to write some different subjects on so the we radio weren't ready for that no. so we, yeah we i think we lived with disney for quite a while mm. and then there's some great Disney songs, though, aren't they are. there? Amazing. They are. They're getting better and better and better. They are. But there's room for more. And it's very American. It is. And that's the thing. See, when your children watch TV and sing that, and your children start having an American accent, you're like, we need to change. Yeah. We need to change. Yeah. And the other group, which is a group 
uh, family we loved is a group called um, Pentatonics. Okay. I don't know if you know them. Yeah. Acapella group. Nice. So they do lots of covers, but they also write their own stuff. Yeah. And they are amazing to yeah. listen to. Have you listened to They Might Be Giants? Yes. They do some great children's albums in their own style, and it's very sort of edgy indie, okay. which is nice. It's quite American. It's quite sort of like indie rock. But what is They Might Be Giants? What do I know? What's their big song? Uh, it's it's on the tip house. of my tongue. Yes. Birdhouse, Birdhouse in, your in Your Soul. Love na, that na, song. Na, 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 na. Yeah. I was saying, you literally say Birdhouse in Your Soul, and I've got the whole song in my head. Brilliant. So if you need me to learn something, if you stick it in a song, it's going yeah. to go in my head. Yes. Or stick it in an advert, because they also go in, because they're music as well. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they know. Advertisers know. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think primary is the age where you you kind of want them to move out of that children Disney era, but yeah, where to mm, that's safe. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That Yeah, and I want, I want to write songs where children are singing about a pound, a five-pound note. I don't want them all singing about dollars. I want them, you know, I want to talk about the pavement, cracks in the pavement, not the sidewalk. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about sweets, not candy, rubbish, not trash. There's no, I've got nothing against American culture, but I think our children grow up. I mean, my, my daughter, you know, just re- refers to things around the place as they're American. Now, she even said diaper the other day. She was like, oh, that kid's got a diaper. So I was like, hang on, hang on, rewind. Let's just... That is a wake-up call when your, your yeah. child turns American. It's like, no, just, yeah. just, just no. Yeah. No, we're not going there. Exactly. No TV now, no music, nothing. Yeah. I think, I mean, our culture in our, in our country or our different cultures, the fact that it's so varied and different. You know, our children play in, 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 you know, in different places. We talk about playgrounds, you know, and just the language that we use here. I think, I think children need to be singing songs about that. Songs about being on the swings, being in the, you know, in the park, climbing trees, being on their scooter, you know, using words that they're really familiar with. Kids can listen to the songs and think, I can identify with that. I've got a scooter. I love that, you know, or I, I, I've got a tree I climb at the park. Probably the first song which I heard, which made me sit there and think of this is a song for children, mm. was My Dad Drives a JCB. Oh, yeah. I knew them. Claim to fame, claim to fame. We used to that sing open mic nights together. It's a great song. It's yeah. such a lovely melody. Oh, it's lovely. Lovely song. And I literally went, I could really imagine singing this in school. Yeah. It's it just lovely, a, isn't it? It's just lovely. There's a few songs out there which I sit there mm. and are lovely. But, again, there was a song I wasn't expecting that. Goes through the life of someone Mm. They, they meet and they stay over and you go, okay, I can't sing that at school, can we? But there's, a thing, there's something in the song, yeah, it's a lovely song, but there'll yeah. be something that you go, yeah, I can't use that. Yeah, yeah. 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 You need a children's songwriter. You do, you need a children's songwriter. <laughs> um. <laughs> maybe That'd a website me. with lots of stuff on. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so we've talked for quite a while. We have. Um, and what I've liked about what you've talked about is the sign language as well. The yes, 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 yes. I think yes. that's a big thing and we're going to record a podcast all about that um, later, which will be available later on. But yeah, it, it, inclusive and the levelling the playing field as well. It's really important. It's really important. I go to lots of schools. I'm very privileged because as somebody who does music in school, I get to visit all the schools. And I think for a lot of teachers and support staff, you work in your school, you stay there for a long time, and that becomes your idea of what a school is like. And if perhaps you haven't worked in many other schools, then you don't really have an idea in your mind that it can be different. Yeah. But I get to sneak in 
to schools. I used to work for the um, for the local music service, and I used to um, do a, a music delivery that we we called Sound Makers, and so it was going in and teaching whole classes. And I'd go to every school in our area, do an hour's lesson, teach the whole class, you know, djembe and keyboards and guitars and sing a song and write a song and then go to the next one. And so over the years, I've been into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different schools and they are all so different. Every school is so different. And I see some schools where the children with additional needs are taken out of the classroom and they're with their INA, they're with their support worker maybe for whatever reasons they're not in the classroom with their peers very much of the day. Yeah. But when there's something like music, when the music comes on, everyone can be together. Everyone can be in that room together, accessing it all in their different ways. You know, it's not like I'm good at writing, so I can do this lesson. I've got dyslexia, I'm really struggling, so I'm disengaged from this. You know, when you're singing, it's like, you just join in on it in your own way. And even if you're just in the room, listening, participating by just being there and hearing it. And like you were describing about being in that in that hall with your uh, children, all the children's parents as yeah. well. Even the people who weren't singing and joining in were picking up on that feeling. And I think that's so important for children with additional needs, even if they are nonverbal. They are in that space and enjoying it and buzzing. You know, maybe they're in singing assembly and they're in there moving around in the, at the sides of the room. Maybe they're not sitting cross-legged like the majority of children, but they are taking part and enjoying and hearing their friends, you know, hearing their peers joining in, seeing the music. And I think if you add the, the element of signing as well, then it is accessible the thing is, is when, you, when you think about it, you've got to read text. So, so you can learn a song by reading the words. And you might hearing something, and you're hearing the sound, and you're reading it, and that makes perfect sense. But others might be able to read, but they no. can hear. Yeah. So they're, they're learning from just from listening. Yep. So I don't have to read. I can learn from listening. Yep. And then there are those who know the signs. As they're learning the signs, that's helping them learn the song. So you've always got three different ways of learning a song. Yeah. And you've got different levels of being able to perform. You might be able to sing, but mm-hmm. you can do the actions. Yeah. Or you might not want to sing. but you. So you've got different levels. And as you say, you're part of something. Exactly. Which is huge. Exactly. It's so, I think music is so inclusive, you know, and, and bringing that into your daily teaching will really pay dividends. Even if it's a, right, time to get your coat on, time to do your shoes, you know, whatever, you're singing and everyone sings it together. And it's like, oh, the song started. Instead of standing at the front and saying, right, it's playtime, go and get your coat. Why not bust out a little song about it? Which makes it more fun. Mm. I'm also a person who hates silence. So I would, if I was a teacher, I would have music on throughout the day. Right. I think it calms the mind if you there's silence yeah you start looking for something yeah i think if there's music you can follow it kind of keeps part of my mind just just Mm. that part and i can then concentrate yeah whereas in silence i'm literally what what's everyone else doing yeah my my part of my head is wondering what's everyone else doing what's What's over there so i think music as well as all this inspiration stuff doing it but i do think music on just on its own is a calming thing when you're Absolutely. playing at a low level. Yeah. Again, the right music. Yeah. Um, well, there's really great instrumental music out there. I always love finding people like Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Do you remember them? Do you know the name Penguin Cafe Orchestra? 
And which one are they? That's so, so they, familiar, but I'm trying they, to work out which one. If, if you check them out, they've just got albums with crazy different instrumental pieces. You know Julia Donaldson's The Gruffalo? Yes. The composer who writes the music. Music that's, you know, that you can listen to that's like, right, this is nice and calming. But I say or, the, the, gruff, the music from The Gruffalo. Yeah, that's beautiful, that repetitive, isn't it? Repetitive, like, str- I'm literally listening to yeah. that. Yeah. And I can be forward, but it does, it helps quiet part of my mind. So a silent classroom to me is I'll be sitting there fidgeting more, I'd be distracted. I think a low level relaxing music, as well as performing it, I think is also a great benefit to children. It's not great in exam, you can't do it in exams, but if it means that while they're learning it, they can focus better, have a think about that as well. Definitely. Particularly, you know, when you've got like golden time or something like that, or an activity where the children may be just doing some drawing, or it's, com- you know, it's coming up to home time. Uh, you'd like everyone to sort of calm down and, you know, end of the day, that sort of thing. You know, you think about different times of the day when it's a little bit tricky. Yeah. And that's where music can be your secret weapon. So one of the things I think, I can't remember if it was at secondary school, we, we used to do a thing where they play a piece of music and they say, just like, close your eyes, put your head in your desk or in your arms or something, just close your eyes and relax. Where does this take you? What do you see? And I always see music as a kind of getaway. They'd put on the, the Ride of the Valkyries or Night on Hall Mountain or Fly to the Bumblebee. Really obvious. You, you, yeah. You're literally hearing about, you're literally your bee flying through flowers and your mind's gone. But you're opening up children to that experience. And I don't think many children have that experience. It's you know, that's our job, isn't it? Yeah, it is phenomenal. And I'm now literally, because I don't know, write a story about being an insect. It's like, oh, I could be a bumblebee. And I've now got something to draw on. So it's just music just is a huge imagination, journey-taking tool, which is Absolutely. amazing. yeah. Cool. So we have prattled on for quite a while about music. I might dig out that Conker's song I mentioned earlier and have a listen to that after I need this. to hear that, for sure. So thank you for coming on today. I really enjoyed this podcast. It is a pleasure. So exciting to be here. Excellent. So Al has given me, or is going to give me, a PDF with some tips for singing with children and a couple of links for our show notes, including a link to her website with lots of great resources on and another website called uh, Sing Up. I'll be putting these links in the show notes along with Al's contact details so you can find out more about her company, Go Kid Music. Yes. I should have just looked at your T-shirt. It's on <laughs> yeah. there. Making my yeah. show notes. It's on her T-shirt. <laughs> and you can find the show notes on our website, which is www.thesendcast.com. So thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. You can find links to subscribe across the different podcast platforms on our website. Please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Sendcast. On Facebook, we are The Sendcast. And on Instagram, The Sendcast. And please use social media to share The Sendcast with others. And before I go, I'd just like to remind you to check out what we do here at B-Squared. As well as this podcast, we have our online CPD platform, Training for Education. You'll find a number of our guest speakers are on our virtual SEND conferences or have recorded their own training courses. Training for Education is a great way to get CPD for all staff around SEND that is effective and affordable. Visit www.trainingforeducation.com for more information. And lastly, don't forget our assessment product. This is what B-Squared is famous for. This is what everyone knows us for. Helping schools show the small sets of progress pupils with SEND make. We cover a huge range from early years to post-16 preparing for adulthood. Visit www.bsquared.co.uk for more information. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Sendcast. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from her.